Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How are we doing today? We good? Hey, that was good. You got a lot. One woo. That was good. Let's do it one more time. How are we doing today? Good? We good? Man, that was great. Sounds like we're on a roller coaster. I loved it right there. That was fantastic. Hey, you guys look great today. You sound great. I don't know if you normally attend this service or if you came because you didn't want to come in the rain at the first service, but we had a great first service today at nine o'clock, just a really, really special and sweet time. And I told them what I'll tell you. And I just asked the sound guys to kind of boost me a little bit. I feel like I've got a frog in my throat. I don't, maybe not, maybe I don't sound that way to you. I sound that way in my head. Uh, I coached third yesterday for my son Tucker's baseball game. And so I was yelling a lot more than normal. Usually I'm like the dugout helper assistant coach and you know, so like I can just be you know, kind of talking there, but I was coaching third. So I was yelling a lot, like at our players to do what they needed to do. And I was yelling at some umpires, like just encouraging them, you know, just like affirming their abilities and all the things they've invested their life in. And I, uh, I read this article this past week, maybe you, maybe you saw it, where up in New Jersey, there is a league that is requiring parents to go through a training and to umpire some games so that they know what it feels like to be on that side of the fence. And I told our guy yesterday that was umping, I was like, hey, you need to go up there and do that. Like a few extra reps wouldn't hurt you. That was funnier than y'all. It's all right. That's fine. It's fine. It's no problem. You'll get with it in a second. But no, I didn't, I didn't say that. And I didn't yell at him. Uh, I incur- I patted him on the back several times. He was doing a great job. But uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful you're here, that you chose to be here. I think you made a great choice just to be in the house of the Lord here at Generations Church today. And just to encourage one another and strengthen one another. We've got a lot of great things happening right after this service today. We have our G-Team lunch. We do this a couple times a year and uh, just some time of fellowship and some food and some training. And so hopefully you're a part of that. We've got a great number of people that will be here. But uh, if you didn't register or maybe you're not even on the team yet, but you're thinking, hey, I got to eat lunch somewhere. Just want to eat lunch with us. Come on, tell them I sent you. It'll be fine. We'll we'll make room for you. Uh, but I, I, I am excited to spend some time with our incredible G team, faithful volunteer leaders that serve throughout our ministry in a variety of ways. I'm so thankful for you and I'm thankful we get to spend some time together this afternoon. And then in just a few weeks, we've got Mother's Day. So if you, you've got a mom you're trying to buy a gift for, I encourage you to go ahead and kind of think about that a few weeks ahead of time. You can go ahead and order something that takes a little time to deliver so that you're not making that Saturday night run to Walgreens. And, uh, but I encourage you to be here with us on Mother's Day, a really special day. It's a great way to come together as a family on that day. So be with us for Mother's Day. And then May the 21st, everybody say May 21st. May. That's Baptism Sunday. And over the last few weeks and months, we've had a number of people that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We had six in our first service today, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for that. Absolutely. Go ahead. But uh, over the last few weeks and months, we've had a number of people that have made a first-time commitment to a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, and some who have made what we would call a recommitment. Uh, but we would love to celebrate that decision with you in baptism. And so you can go to the website, go to our app, and register to be a part of Baptism Sunday And uh, that way we can celebrate with you as your church family. Today, we are concluding this series that we started right after Easter called What's Next? A few weeks ago, we started with this idea that God really does want you to know him. Not just in theory. He wants you to know him in a personal relationship. And that even extends beyond like praying a sinner's prayer. We believe that you should pray a prayer and accept him as your Lord and Savior and acknowledge, you know, like who he is and who you are and what you need him to be for you. But even beyond that kind of sinner's prayer or that type of uh, conversation with him, that he wants you to have a relationship with him. 
and that you can know him through his word and that you can know him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and there's so many other things. So I, I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you weren't here for that Sunday. And then last week, Pastor Aaron spoke and he talked about living life in relationship, to find community with one another. Corey and I were in Augusta speaking at a church for a marriage event that they were doing. And man, we listened to his message on the way home and just a really powerful reminder for all of us to be encouraged to live in relationship, not to isolate from one another. And so today I want to kind of take two different ideas, two different thoughts and merge them together. We talk about discovering your purpose and making a difference. We believe those to come right out of the words of scripture, which we'll look to a few of those in a moment. But I want to kind of merge those thoughts together. And if I had to title today, I would title it Discovering the Difference. Not just discovering purpose, not just making a difference, but discovering the difference. There is a difference. There is something we're called to, something God wants to do in and through our lives. And when we discover that, man, it makes a humongous difference. I ran across this quote a number of years ago. I've used it a number of times here with us as our church family. But it was the quote by Mark Twain where it says, The two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. The day you're born and the day you find out why. What a powerful thought, because we usually know the day we're born. We, we kind of have that birthday, and so we're kind of every year reminded of the day we were born. But for some of us, there was a moment, a pivotal moment in time, or maybe it was a process of development where we discovered why we were born, that there was a purpose for our life, that there was a reason that God desired for us to be on the earth and how we could use what God was uniquely doing in us to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so I'm reminded of that. We say around here a lot that you were created on purpose for a purpose. And for so many of us, that on purpose idea is not something that maybe we've heard. Maybe there are people that told you you were a mistake and that you're good for nothing and that it, it was a miserable day, the day you, whatever that looks like in your life. And maybe that wasn't your story, but you were created on purpose, that God knit you together in your mother's womb that there was a purpose and design and intentionality that God had when he created you. And it wasn't just the on-purpose part, but it was for a purpose, that God desires for you to be a part of his plan on the earth. And so you were created for a purpose, and perhaps you've already discovered that purpose. Perhaps you already know because of what you do for a living or the relationships that you're in or through the church or through some other avenue, like you know the purpose for your life. And it's easy for you because it comes out of your natural giftings and your natural inclinations, and you get a lot of affirmation for those things. But for so many of us, even if we find some you know, sense of accomplishment or success in different directions, it's really resting in that idea that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God desires to use us for something specific. And so when we say like you were created on purpose for a purpose, it's more than a tagline for us. It's a truth that we hold to, that we cling to, that we actually believe. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, this is the message paraphrase. It says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in Christ. If you look for it anywhere else, you may find some temporary enjoyment, some temporary success and fulfillment. But when your identity is found in Jesus Christ, that you discover who you are, that identity is his and he gives it to you and you discover what you're living for. It gives great purpose and great intention to every single day. It's one of the reasons that we offer Discovery Track at our church. It's not just another program. It's not just another class. Like for us, it really is a part of giving something to you, a tool, a resource, an instrument to try to help you determine your unique design. Now, there's parts about the church in there. We tell you our history and our story, and we share a lot of those kinds of things. 
But we really genuinely do want something for you. So we try to help you discover your spiritual gifts and your passions and your calling and see if there's a way to unite those with places inside of our church. But even if not, so you take that resource and that instrument and you apply it to the other six days a week. That you put those things into practice as you know more and more about who you are and how God uniquely designed and wired you. And so we've, we've shifted the format. We put step one as an on-demand process. We had 15 people just in the month of April take that on-demand step one to learn about the church and then really begin the process of learning about themselves. And then step two meets usually the third Sunday of every single month, and it's in person. And so we had about eight people jump into that in April. But we would love for you just to jump into Discovery Track to determine your unique design to really discover how God might desire to use you because God has gifted you and called you. And if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to know that. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm gifted. I couldn't pay some of you enough money to say that. Like you, you didn't say it right now. You just kind of looked and whispered. You were thankful nobody sat to your left or your right. Look at somebody right now and say it. I'm gifted. Now look at your second choice, that less gifted person, I guess, in your life, and say, I really am gifted. I really am. Right? Now, have you met anybody in your whole life who, like, that's just kind of the way they operate? Like, they are God's gift to everybody, right? Not at this church, other churches, other places. Somebody maybe you'll see at a restaurant today. But, like, there are people that walk around with that kind of confidence that they just know that they're gifted. They've seen those kinds of things flesh out in their life. But usually, most people, if you, if you look at statistics and studies and sociological studies in our culture, most people do not operate this way. Most people do not operate with the confidence that they are gifted and called by God for something special. There was a study a couple of years ago by the Harvard Business Review, and they were looking at a lot of different industries. So this wasn't just a specific, this was retail, and this was restaurant and the service industry, this was sales, this was medical. They were looking at a number of different industries, and they asked this question, do you believe that you are in the top 10% of performers in your organization? So this is not a business seminar today, but I just want you to see this. I thought this was fantastic. They asked the question, do you believe that you are in the top 10% of performers in your organization? And you know how many people said yes? 60%. Now try to make that math make sense. 60% thought they were in the top 10%. Because by comparison, we think, well, that guy's lazy. I work harder than him. I stay late. I get my projects done. I mean, so there was definitely a sense that maybe we are a part of working hard and accomplishing something great for whatever organization we're a part of. But what was interesting in that study is they went one step further to try to determine how did the actual top 10% kind of view themselves and what did they believe about themselves. And over half, over 50% of those who were actually in the top 10%, so you're tracking numbers with me? So you take the top 10% of the actual top 10%, over half of those people rated themselves as below average. As below average. So the people that thought they were killing it weren't. And the people who thought they were not doing a great job were actually the top performers of their organization. Now, why do I tell you that? Because so often we don't view ourselves through the true value of who we are. We don't see ourselves in light of what we can contribute and what we do offer and the giftedness that we do have and, and the special nature that God has uniquely created us to have. You are gifted and you are called by God to do good works. 
Not just in the local church, outside of the local church, in the workforce and in the ministry that is your day-to-day, in your home and on your job and in the classroom and on the ball field and everywhere in between, you are called and gifted by God. And I want you to know that because God desires for you to walk in that confidence that you're not the best of the best. I get it. But you're doing better than you think you are. And then in the days of social media and comparison, and we see everybody's kind of highlight reel, that you are not actually doing as bad as you think, and that you actually have something pretty special on the inside of you. And if you will cultivate that and give that to God, God can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. The way my mom taught me when I was growing up is this, the call of God on your life is God's business, but the, the, the preparation of that calling, the development of that calling, that's your business. That you have to recognize that God, in his sovereignty, chose to input on the inside of you some giftedness and calling and talent and ability and charisma, and it's unique to you. But now your responsibility is to take that and cultivate that, to develop that, to give it to God, to to make sure that it doesn't coexist with those things that don't reflect God. So we present ourselves to God to be used for his purpose. This is what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. We want to be made useful for the master. We have to cleanse ourselves. We have to constantly position ourselves to say, God, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Anything that doesn't reflect your character and your nature and continue to cleanse me and purge me of all unrighteousness and set me apart for special purposes. The flip side isn't necessarily that you're just like this dirty, rotten sinner. It just means that you're common. It just means that in a culture of repeats and counterfeits and in a culture where everybody's trying to blend in and everybody's trying to act the same in some regards we're just okay with being common but what God is calling us to in this time in this day is to be used for special purposes to cleanse ourselves to be made holy and righteous and to be used for something special in his kingdom Inside and outside the church, Monday through Sunday, every single moment of our lives, we are called to be used for special purposes in the master's hand. But we have to cleanse ourselves. We have to continually ask God to help us, to purge us, to cleanse us. Because here's the great reminder for all of us. We've seen it over and over and over again, I'm sure. Your talent won't take you further than your integrity can sustain you. Your talent, no matter how talented you are, and you are talented and gifted and called by God, but your talent, my talent, whatever it is that God has put on the inside of us, it will not carry you further than your integrity can sustain you. There will come a moment when your integrity or lack of begins to shine through. It begins to come out. And where you hope to go and you hope to be and what you hope to accomplish and the special purposes that you want God to do in and through your life, they will escape you because you have not done the hard work of allowing God to continue to cleanse and purge those things that do not reflect him. 
Same is true for me and for you and every single person that walks on the face of the earth. We must cleanse ourselves and present ourselves to God to be used for his purposes. You still with me? All right. So you got to discover your purpose. You got to believe your purpose. And then what do you do with it? What do you do? with? Where do you go when you actually believe that God desires to use you in special ways or you're trying to come around that idea to believe that he can? I want to tell you a story. You may be familiar with the details. Even if you're not super familiar with all of the story, you may have heard some of the names before. I've shared this story or spoken out of this text before, even in the last year or two. But this is the story of Queen Esther in the Old Testament. If you want to go there in your Bible, you can go to the book of Esther. We're going to read a few verses from chapter 4 in just a moment. But Esther enters the story a little bit later, but there is a king named King Xerxes, and he has a queen named Vashti, and the king is throwing a party, and he wants to show off the queen, and so he calls for Vashti to come, and she says no. Well, you don't tell the king no, right? And so she's removed. She's no longer a part of the story, and they go on the hunt for a new queen, And they search high and low, and they look throughout the kingdom, and they're trying to find who is the most beautiful and who's the best candidate. And they're looking all high and low, everybody they can find. Anybody that is a candidate will be considered, and so they're eliminating and eliminating and pulling and pulling back closer in. There's a man at this time, a Jewish man named Mordecai, and he's an influential man in the kingdom at that time among the Jews and even beyond the Jewish people. And he has this niece, he has this relative named Esther, and she's a beautiful young lady, and so she gets into the running And she's eventually brought to the palace among many other women who are being considered to be the queen. And so at this time, there's a a bad guy. There's a villain. There's always a villain, right? That's what makes stories great. You got to overcome something. There's a bad guy in the story. His name is Haman. And Haman hates the Jews. One of the reasons that he hates the Jews is because he hates Mordecai. Because he's kind of set this up that like, hey, everybody's supposed to bow to me when I pass by and Mordecai will not do it. It's a very similar story here in this instance to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like Mordecai's like, I'm not bowing to you. You're not the guy. And man, it makes Haman so mad. And so he plots and he creates this plan. He's going to kill Mordecai and all the Jewish people. But what he doesn't know is that the, the front runner to be the new queen and eventually who does become the new queen, Queen Esther, she's a Jew. And so Haman's plotting against the king's new wife, and he doesn't even know it. And so Mordecai and some of the Jews, they get wind of Haman's plan. And Mordecai comes to Esther, and he says, hey, you need to go. After she's, she's named queen, he says, you need to go and ask for uh, the, an appearance in the king's court. You need to ask to be able to stand before the king and tell him what's happening here so that we can be delivered and we can find victory. And she was like, no, that's not how it works. You don't, you don't ask to go stand before the king. He calls for you, and if he doesn't call for you, you just don't appear. And Mordecai says this to her in Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. What I want you to know once you really do buy into the idea that God has uniquely gifted and called you, However long it takes you to wrap your mind around that thought is this other idea that I think guides all of us that really lean into the sovereignty of God, and it's this point, that God positions you perfectly. He positions you perfectly. 
it seems sometimes like an accident, doesn't it? We heard about the job through a friend of a friend. There was a posting. We, we, we got the job. We don't even love the job. We're looking for a new job. But if we believe that God positions us perfectly, then it changes the way that we actually work and conduct ourselves on the job to believe that God could use us on the job even though we might not like the job. God positions us perfectly. It is not by accident. Even beyond your job, even beyond your family, even beyond the street that you live on. Let's talk about the church for a moment. It is not by accident that you're here right now. Now, I'm not one of those like spooky, crazy people, right? I don't know what your faith background is. I don't know what your experiences in church are. But I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God orchestrates and ordains our lives. I believe we were given free will. I believe we get to choose or not choose to be in relationship with God and whether or not to pursue him. But when we submit ourselves to God, I believe God is ordaining and guiding and leading our steps. We have plans. Proverbs tells us we have plans, but God has a purpose. And that his word is a lamp unto our feet and it guides our steps. And when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not in our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him, he what? He leads and guides our lives into the places that he desires for us to go. I, I believe that God positions us perfectly. It's not by accident that you're here. If this is your first time today, welcome to you. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you come back next week. But it's not by accident that you showed up today. If you've been here 50 times or 500 times, I'm so thankful for you. It's not by accident that you walked into this place when we were upstairs or once we came downstairs or at Sequoia High School or those six weeks in the summer of 2012 when we were at Creekview High School or that one Sunday, that one time when we went over to Hickory Flat Elementary. Like whatever Sunday you walked in for the first time, it wasn't by accident. And the fact that you just kept coming back, not by accident. You are positioned perfectly. And over the last few months, you may not know this on a rainy Sunday, and it's not raining right now, I don't think, but you may not know this on a rainy Sunday as you look around, but hundreds of new people have come to visit Generations Church. Just in the last few months, that number is 238 people. That's incredible, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, well, I I are one of those, (laughs) right? Or maybe you say, that's incredible. That makes so much sense because the more I look around, the less people I know. But it's not by accident that you're here. As dozens and dozens and dozens of people, at last count, over 70 people have given their lives to Jesus just in the last three and a half months. As we see people trust God, absolutely. And and here's why I tell you that. It's not by accident. Because you're not just showing up to a place that you sit for an hour on a Sunday. We are asking God to continue to shape and mold us here and to utilize us, to mobilize us for his special purposes. And so like when you showed up, like you just thought this was where you were going to hang out for a little bit. And what I'm saying to you is I think it's larger than that. God's gifted you. He's called you. And you can put those gifts and that calling into action. And there are children upstairs right now that you can go through a process and be background checked and screened. And you can join that incredible team to invest in children from birth through fifth grade on Sunday nights, middle schoolers and high schoolers. They need what God did in you in middle school and high school so that they know how to live for God in middle school and high school. And you could be a small group leader and help to mold and shape them and to complement what their parents are doing at home. Because I don't know if you know this, but sometimes middle schoolers and high schools don't like listening to their parents so much. But when a different adult says the same thing mom and dad have been saying, it makes all the sense in the world. 
So we need some of you to join that team and we'll send you some notes of what to tell them. Right? It's not by accident that you're here. You play an instrument, you sing in the shower, but you could join a team in leading people in worship. Technology doesn't intimidate you. You could run cameras and lyrics and help to take what's happening in this room and display it and get it into homes and onto devices for hundreds and hundreds of people every single week. It's not by accident that you're here. You could lead a small group, a G group, because you're just outgoing and you love to host people in your home and you're a great cook and I'm going to come join your group. And like, you just, it's a gift that you have. It's a calling that you have. And God desires to use it for special purposes and it's not by accident that you're here. But I want you to hear this from me. I want you to hear my heart. I said this, I made this disclaimer at nine. I don't always make disclaimers. But I made this disclaimer at nine. I'm going to make it to you. I, I, I edited this paragraph four times. But I eventually went back to the first draft. I want you to hear my heart. I want this for you. I want you to mobilize your gifts and talents for the sake of other people and live this kind of transcendent life where it's about more than you and you can invest in children and students and adults and create community and help people to know God. I want that for you. I want you to be a part of it. We've given our lives to it. We will continue to do so. We want you on the team. But beyond all of that, I want you to know that there is a great risk. And we read it in verse 14, Mordecai's admonishment to Esther when he said this. He said, if you keep quiet at this time, deliverance and relief will arise from some other place. It will arise, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. If you say no, if you buy into the idea that God has uniquely gifted and called you, and maybe it takes a time to really believe that, but if you come to the idea that God desires to do something special through your life because he's already done something special in your life, and you say no, and you stay quiet, and you don't give your life away on a Sunday in the church, or you don't give your life away to the people on your job, or you don't listen for those open promptings from the Holy Spirit to those that are around you, deliverance will arise for those people, but you will miss out. And you will not be a part of what God is trying to do. He will move on, but he's inviting you now. He's inviting you to be a part of this grand story that he's writing in the hearts and lives of people. And it's not by accident that you are where you are today or throughout this week. It is not by accident because he has positioned you perfectly for what he desires to do in you and through you for such a time as this. But if you say no, he will move on. And we will be worse for it. We'll be worse for it. So don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Allow God to use you because he's positioned you perfectly for such a time as this. Here's the second thing I see in this story. There are people praying for you. Look at what we can read in verses 15 through 17. Then Esther said this reply, sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, or night, three days night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. You don't always know who it is 
but I believe that there are people praying for you right now. Some of them, they're calling you by name. Some of you, they're calling on the name of our church, and you're here today, and so you benefit from those prayers. I remember when we were in the high school, we were at Sequoia. We were in a season of our church. We were setting up and tearing down. That's not to imply we tore down the school. We tore down our equipment every Sunday, right? We put it into trucks. We had three box trucks that we put all of our equipment in, and some of you were a part of that team. What a a fascinating season, 209 Sundays of being portable. So much of the DNA of who we are as a church was forged in that season of being portable, just deciding that we're going to do whatever it takes to create environments where people can hear about the love of God. It still drives who we are, even though we don't really have to set it up and tear it down all the time. But we were in that season, and there was an older lady, just a, a beautiful, sweet lady who I would bump into from time to time. She was my pastor's mom. And she would say to me, she would say, I'm too old to set up pipe and drape. She would say, I I, I don't come and lead you in worship. But she said, every single Sunday morning when you show up to the high school at 6 a.m., I want you to know I'm up praying for your team. It It just gave us a sense of purpose that there were people that were supporting us even though they weren't in the room, praying for us, encouraging us. That still happens. People are praying for you. And I have a huge burden in this season of our church to increase the prayer ministries of our church. Every single year, we start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, three weeks of just consecrating ourselves and giving the year to God. It's a really special time. It always is. At the end of those 21 days, I always have people that are like, can we just keep doing this every day? I'm like, well, no, we're we're not going to do 6 a.m. prayer every day, but we're going to keep praying. We believe in it. So we do first Saturday prayer, 8 to 9 o'clock here in the room. We pray over the needs of our church and our community, our families. Every single service on Sundays when we gather, we offer times of prayer like we just did. When you offer a prayer request on the connection card or you email it in at prayer at g.church, we send that out to the elders. If we have your permission, we pray over needs all week long. We pray in our staff meetings as we celebrate what God's doing and we debrief things of how to get better. We pray for you. We pray for our church. But there are some of you that are like the lady when we were at Sequoia, this is like, I don't, I don't know what gifts I have. I don't sing. I don't lead worship. I'm not sure I could serve in a kid's classroom. But you know how to pray. You know how to pray. And you know how to call on the name of God, not just for your needs, but for the needs of other people and get God's attention. You have that gift of intercessory prayer where you just... You want to intercede. And you would go sit in a classroom during a service like this, sit in a room upstairs with another group of people who could pray. And you'd be praying over this service while it's happening, praying for our worship team as they lead us in worship and praying for hearts to be open, to be receptive to what God would have and praying during moments when we're praying that that God's spirit would be poured out and prayers would be answered and miracles would take place and praying now that when God's word is open, that hearts would be open and they would hear from what God is, hear what God is saying to people, and you would just pray. Like, there are people like that, and maybe you're in the room, and if that's you, I want you to come talk to me as we continue to grow and expand what we offer in prayer ministries for our church because people are praying for you. When you're taking a stand for God, you're not standing by yourself. you got to believe that God's gifted you, and he's called you, and he desires to do something in and through you, but you are not doing it alone. But here's the great challenging question for all of us today. What if someone else's victory was dependent on you, dependent on me? What if you were the difference in victory and defeat for somebody else? 
If we conclude this story, and there's so much here that we couldn't even get to, but if you wrap this story up, Haman's plan was foiled. The king heard about it, gave Esther anything she wanted. Victory comes to the Jewish people in Esther chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It says this, on that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered their enemies. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the king's provinces to attack anyone who tried to harm them, but no one could make a stand against them, for everyone was afraid of them. The enemy has a plan. He's plotting. He's roaming around seeking whom he may devour. He desires to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his plan. He wants to destroy marriages and families and men and women and children. And he desires to tear your life apart and tear the lives apart of people around us. That's what he's trying to do. I don't say that to scare you. We know that in the end, he ultimately loses, but the choice is still ours of whether or not we allow him to find that victory in our lives. And so what if someone else's victory was dependent on us believing that God has called us and gifted us? And us being willing to say yes and make ourselves available to be used by God for special purposes. Obviously, I want you to find all the victory that you seek and desire. That God desires for you and I believe that you can and that you will. But could it be? Could it be? Could it be that the difference for someone else is you? Through service in the church, absolutely. Greeting guests as they come in, leading people in worship or through technology, upstairs in kids or youth or in groups or serving in community outreach opportunities, local and global missions, absolutely. But even even beyond that, could it be that when you go to work tomorrow, you are perfectly positioned by God for such a time as this? And you didn't know that the guy in the office next to you or the lady in the cubicle next to yours or the teacher in the classroom next door or the student in that classroom or the customer who will walk into the front desk tomorrow, that they've been asking God for something specific and you are perfectly positioned tomorrow to be used by God for special purposes in that person's life. Could it be? Could it be? That when you get off work and you go coach the team, that one of the other assistant coaches or the kids on the team or their family or their dad or their mom that brought them to practice, that God could use you to help them find him. Could it be that the special purposes that we're not fully sure what it might look like and what it might mean, could just be those moments where we just open ourselves up to God to say, God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands and take my feet. Wherever you lead me, God, wherever you want me, God, whatever happens, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm able I'm not super comfortable. I don't know what it's going to look like. If they ask me certain questions, I won't have the answers. But I'm willing and I'm available to be used by God for special purposes. God, cleanse me of all of those things that do not reflect you. Help me to be used by you. And at the end of the day, tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or next Sunday, 
over the next few weeks or the next few months. There are moments where other people find victory because you said yes. What is that worth to you? What is that worth to you? What is, what is their victory worth to you? What is their joy worth to you? What are their children worth to you? So here's what I want us to do. Before we pray, I'm not going to pray. I want you just to bow your head. Just a moment of reflection. And maybe you ask some questions like this to God. You say, God, how have you gifted me? I don't want to be arrogant. I don't, I don't want to think I'm the only one or I'm the most gifted one. But God, how have you gifted me? What, what is it that you've uniquely done in my life? What talent do I have? Charisma do I have? Relationships do I have? Opportunities do I have? God, how, how have you gifted me, called me, set me apart? And God, how can you use that? How do you want to use that if I would just be willing to say yes? God, who is it in my life that needs what you've placed on the inside of me? God, would you give me the courage to discover the purpose that you've given to me? And God, let me put it into action and make a difference. Let me mobilize it and join an incredible army, a team of people for what you're desiring to do. Now, with every head bowed, nobody's looking around. If you would say, Jeremy, for me, I, I'm, I'm actually one of those people. I, I am not in a relationship with God. I've never, I've never invited him to be the Lord and Savior of my life and to forgive my sins. Or I did a really long time ago, but I've done my very best to walk away from him. And I want to recommit myself. If that's you today, would you just have the courage to lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you. You can lift it and put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to help you pray in just a moment. And now if you would say, Jeremy, for me, I, I want to make a difference in the lives of people around me. If that's you, would you lift your hand? My hand's up. I want to. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today. We thank you for all that we've experienced, every song that we've sung and prayer that's been prayed. And we thank you for your word. And God, I pray for every person that lifted their hand to acknowledge their need for you to be their Lord and their Savior. And so, God, we thank you that you forgive sins. That's something only you can do. I can't do it, but you can. So, God, we thank you for that. And if that's you today and you've lifted your hand and you've acknowledged that, I just encourage you to say, God, forgive my sins and come into my life and lead me and guide me. And it's that simple. It's just an acknowledgement and a belief that he can, that you confess your sins to him. And as you do that, he, he responds with this free gift of salvation. It's that simple. You start this journey, this relationship with him. And Lord, I pray for every person that lifted their hand today to say, I want to make a difference. I want to discover this unique design, my purpose in life. And I want to put it into practice. And God, as they do, as they say yes to you, even in their discomfort, would you just open doors for them to be used to help somebody else find victory? to help somebody else be saved, to help somebody else's marriage and somebody else's family and somebody else's life to find fulfillment in all that they desire. God, use us. Start with me. Help us make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.